This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. Defined by grace, 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 community, community, community and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. A recent small relief for me has been that people are saying much less now than they used to that we are in unprecedented times. On the one hand, it was just becoming so overused, but on the other hand, for us to be in a place where we are maybe feeling overwhelmed by the chaos in the world, it's not a unique place to be in. To be in a place where things sort of feel a little dismal or uncertain It's not a different time than has ever happened before. And I don't point out that the chaos and the struggle isn't special as a way to discredit its difficult reality. But I point it out for us to have a little perspective. Because when things can get really hard for us personally, there can be this tendency for any of us to really start to turn inward to the point of being so overcome that we feel we are almost ruled over by this cloud just hanging over us. So pulling back for a broader perspective is helpful. It helps us to remember what is actually true in the midst of this and who is actually true in the midst of this. And how is it that we really can get through it because how have people gotten through it before? Because at the end of the day, remembering this and going outside of ourselves for this is really important because we are not enough in and of ourselves to get through what we are currently in right now. You don't have enough wisdom in and of yourself to rightly navigate all of this on your own. I don't have enough strength in and of myself to take all the COVID hits coming my way on my own. You don't have the endurance on your own to rise above this as it lasts for months and years. But us not having enough wisdom or strength or endurance in and of ourselves to get through this well, that's not a problem. We don't have that in us alone, and we can find relief in the fact that God knows that about us and does not expect us to be able to handle this great. Let the pressure and the tension lift if you're not handling some of this perfectly right now because God's not disappointed in you. He's not frustrated or weary of you as you're dredging through some of this chaos and madness. Rather, our God really loves us in it, and He is for us finding hope and healing, and He is the way. He is the source. He is the reason that we are able to take this well and still live in a way that honors Him through it. He wants us to live fully in the way that He designed us to in the midst of the here and now. He delights in us in it, and He calls us His. God feels this way about us, and He offers us the best possible help we could have right now, and that is in Him. And we see a really great reminder of this in our passage for today, which is from Isaiah chapter 43. 
So just a little context for this portion of the passage, because anytime we kind of pluck some verses out of the middle, we need to make sure we know what is going on at this point so we don't interpret poorly. So in the book of Isaiah, we have the sin of God's people with great specificity being pointed out. And along with that, explaining the consequences of those sins, the consequences of their unwillingness to humble themselves and repent for the ways that they have been living in opposition to our Creator. And the consequences of their sin, the consequences of their desire to do things their own way, to worship other things, to act unjustly, is that they are about to be conquered by another power, and many of them will be sent into exile. It's a pretty steep consequences, but sin is really serious. Living in a way that's not in line with what God set up for us is really serious. And so Isaiah, in this weighty and very eloquent way, has been explaining this to the people. And around about chapter 40, you start to get this shift. And I think of this shift often as I'm reading scripture as the and yet. I feel like often when you're reading the text and people are receiving um, punishment or even justice from God for their sin against him, there is often still this and yet moment where, and yet, God still shows them kindness, and yet, God gives them mercy. And yet, and what we kind of start to see here, God will end up restoring them. God will end up bringing them back home again. This about God just boggles my mind, and yet it is something I am so thankful for. It is really fair that God would allow me to just contend with the consequences of my sin. What's fair is for Him to kind of leave us in that, and yet, while that's what I deserve, that's what we deserve, His mercy just pops up again and again. So in this portion I want to read for us here today, God is kind of at that stage of starting to turn to the and yet after describing their sins and the consequences thereof, but the consequences at this point are still coming. So here the people know that this is going to end up maybe okay in the end. They're starting to hear that, but they are mostly right now living under this um, sense of, I'm about to be captured. I'm about to die even. I may be brought into exile. It's a very almost hopeless and dark situation that they are in. But let's hear the word of the Lord to them in the midst of that. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 14 through 21. This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says. Because of you, I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says. Who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water? Who brings out the chariot and horse, the army and the mighty one together? They lie down, they do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember the past events, pay no, pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? 
Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Wild animals, jackals, and ostriches will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I just want in our time together here to highlight a few things that we see in this portion of the passage. And as we walk through this, bear in mind, remember that God is speaking this to a people. They're staring down the barrel of hardship and loss. This is the word of the Lord to a people whose future, their immediate future, it's pretty bleak and hopeless. There's this dark cloud hovering The plans that they have made for themselves and their lives are now pointless because of other factors putting that to an end. Maybe little bits of that resonate for you. And yet God is speaking to them here in the midst of that very specific place, some things that I think are really helpful for us today. First thing I want to point out here that we see is that God just reminds his people of who he is all this mess around you, the future hovering like a dark cloud, but in the midst of this, I am the Lord. I am your Holy One. I am the Creator. I am the King. When other things that are looming seem so big and are starting to hold power over you, don't forget that I am the one with the most power. I'm over and above it all. I'm sitting on a throne that cannot and will not ever be overtaken. I think it can be so easy for us to allow what is very heavy about the brokenness to start to almost hold us captive mentally, emotionally, spiritually. With the news right now and many of the current circumstances of our lives that we're trying to wade through, it can be really easy to let those things overtake us to the point that that starts to control and dictate how we're making decisions and how we're navigating the challenges. But take care in that to not let what is so dark take place of what's light in you. I don't mean just pretend it's not that bad because God. Push it aside and just live in this dream world because God. God doesn't ask us to ignore reality and that really isn't healthy. But the point being, don't just overconsume on this darkness that's coming in so that you're only feeding your heart and mind with that. You're only feeding your heart and mind with what is seeking to destroy so that you start to lose perspective of who is actually in charge here. As you take in and navigate the real challenges of life, the bad news just really does start to consume us. Don't let the bad news consume your hearts and minds so much that you are forgetting who the good news is in the midst of all of it. We just finished a season in Advent of just remembering how Jesus came and he kicks in the door of darkness to get us back from the sin that holds us hostage. Don't forget that that's the God that's with us right now in what might feel a little bleak. Remember God, he's saying. Remember who I am right now. Remember God as a part of your daily rhythm because remembering God is what helps make you strong as you live and move and operate in a world that's trying to make us weak. I was thinking again this week about two of my favorite people in the Bible that we barely know anything about, but I adore them, and that's the Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1, Shifra and Puah. 
And I was thinking about, again, just like this, the dark world that they were living in. Their people were enslaved, probably felt like there was never going to be an end to it. And on top of it, they're living in this dark world where their leader of their country, someone who could have them probably executed with just a look, he tells them anytime that a Hebrew woman, she gives birth to a boy to throw him into the river. It's horrific. And yet living in that dark time with the command of the person in the country who has the most power asked to do this horrific thing, they refuse to obey him. And what I love is in Exodus 1, it says that they feared God. But they feared God. They were in a dark world. They're on the margins. They really had not a lot of power at all. There wasn't a very bright future for their people. But they remembered God. And remembering God in the midst of that dark time is what dictated how they moved and lived and acted in the midst of it. They didn't allow that the doom and gloom and just this feels hopeless to take hold of their hearts and minds and have control over their actions. No, they let God do that because they feared Him, because they remembered Him in the midst of darkness. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water, who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty, one together. God says, don't just remember who I am, but here he's describing the Exodus. Remember also what I've done in the past. The Exodus is such a pivotal story just for them as a people, but also really for us. This incredible story of how God released his people from captivity with his incredible, powerful acts, and he shows the enemy who he is. God says, remember who I am. Remember what I have the capacity to do. Let that inform your hope when you are living in a difficult time. Second one thing I want to point out that we see here is that in the midst of the time they live, God tells his people in verse 19, look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? This feels a little curious at first because remember the circumstances they are in. They're awaiting certain destruction. Enemies are coming, many will be killed, the rest will be taken as captives. So in a time of impending darkness and death, God says, I'm doing something new. Can you see it? You know, God is always working. Jesus reminds us, my father is still working and I am working also. God is not on a hiatus right now. Spirit hasn't tapped out. We have had to put pauses on so many things, but guess who has not had to put a pause on anything? Guess who isn't scratching his head wondering, when can I safely reschedule that for? Guess whose head is not spinning from the constant pivoting? God is not set back right now. And not only is he not set back, but he's working and he is moving a lot of things forward, not in spite of a pandemic, but in it and through it. Our God has a knack 
for creating something out of nothing. The God that is with us has a knack for breathing life into what looks just like death to us. So that means when we may feel stalled or stagnant or set back, God not only is not feeling that way, He's actually in all of this working and doing new things. This isn't a let's just slap a silver lining on the pandemic. This, friends, is our reality that right now God is working new things. Not just one thing, so many areas. I really love this part where he says, do you see it? Do you not see it? He wants us to see what he's doing. The word here is sometimes uh, translated as perceive. Can you perceive it? Can you read it? Are you paying attention to it? We see and perceive what God's doing when we're looking for it. We can't be passive here. Pray and think and pay attention. Watch, listen, listen to the Spirit. When you're ingesting the news, when you're having conversations with people, when you're having moments of silence, even now think, is there something new that God might be working in you right now through this? Are there maybe things that you have placed your confidence in that as they're being stripped away from you, maybe pulled through your knuckles as you're trying to hang on that you can see, okay, so me placing my confidence in that has really only been bringing decay. God has something new and better. Is he pulling things away to make room for something new in you? Is God doing something new in you by realigning your priorities for you, by revealing your idols in this, by showing you where you had some misplaced trust? Is God doing something new by changing your path or your occupation or your trajectory to something else through this? Where is He doing something new in you? Where is He doing something new in and for us as icon? And how do we not miss it together? Adversity is really so much better at stirring up our stagnant hearts more than prosperity is, so we need to pay attention. Can we see it? Can we perceive it together? A verse that I have been marinating on a lot recently is good old Philippians 1.6, where he says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. And my favorite part right now where I kind of keep getting hung up on it is when Paul says, I am sure of this. Because honestly, I think often when I'm weary and exhausted with the world, with myself, that I often translate that to God as well. Like, I can't work on yet another thing. So God is probably like, yeah, I just can't with either right now. But friends, that isn't true. We can be sure, we can be confident, as the word is sometimes translated in Philippians, that the one who by the blood of Jesus has made us his, he right now is continuing to carry out his work in us. We can be sure that the God who started that process is the one who's working it out in us, and he will do so until we're complete, completely made right on the day of Christ Jesus. It's incredible. 
So where right now can you be confident and sure that God is continuing his good work in you? Where is God doing something new in that, in you, through you, right now in this particular time and season? And once we can become more mindful and sensitive to where that's happening for us, becoming a seeker of that for our own lives, we can really start seeing that more in others, in our community, and start maybe understanding that on a broader scale. Look for it. Seek by the power of the Spirit to perceive the new things that are happening right now. Part of perceiving the new things and remembering God in this has to do with where we are getting our sustenance, which is the third thing and the last thing I want to point out in today's passage. Verse 19, the second half, it says, Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Wild animals, jackals, and ostriches will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. It seems and feels like we are in uh, a little bit of wilderness right now, maybe for um, some of you more than others. It's not really like the Yosemite kind of beauty wilderness. It feels a little bit more like a Mad Max Fury Road kind of wilderness to me. And God's people here in Isaiah, they've been in that kind of wilderness before as a people. And here they are in it again. And wilderness in scripture is really interesting because it can be trials, desolation, and toil. But it is all it is also often the place where God meets and changes his people. The wilderness is harsh, it's volatile, and yet it is where God meets and provides for Hagar, Jacob, Moses, the Israelites, Elijah, even Jesus. The wilderness is a place of struggle, it's a place of wandering, and the wilderness is a place that God provides for his people. The wilderness is not beyond God's reach, but it is where he shows up with the sustenance his people need. So in this wilderness you may feel like you are in right now, whether personally or just related to what we're collectively going through, where are you going for your sustenance? And with where you are going for your sustenance, is it working for you? Like really working for you? Not just helping you escape for a bit, but is it nourishing the parts of your spirit that are thirsty and hungry and weak right now? Is it making you healthy and stronger and sharpened for the tasks of living well? Other things may give you a break, allow you to check out. There's a place for sure, for just a brain break, for leisure, for just random fun. But are you treating those things like they're the answer to where you are really struggling? because those things will fail you there. And they will fail you because they're not meant to sustain your soul and your life. They aren't meant to give you the nourishment and the strength that you rightly need to thrive in life right now. 
They will fail you because when you were created, you were designed to be fully and rightly sustained by something else. And that's God. None of those other things were on the list. God is the list. The prophet Jeremiah, he wrote in God's voice about this in Jeremiah 2.13. He said, For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves. Cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. So where in your wilderness right now are you parched and dry and thirsty and you're rushing over to hang your head over these cracked dry cisterns when there's a clear, pure, rushing fountain right next to you? The only way to be sustained in wilderness is by getting our water from the right source, the place we are designed to get our water from. And God makes it so available. It's not like he's hiding water bottles in these hard-to-find places in the wilderness where you have to do some kind of like geocaching exercise to find them. It's right there, right out in front of us, waiting for us to come and drink. God is our one source for our real fuel and sustenance right now. He's very available. So as you're stumbling and exhausted in certain areas right now, don't bypass the spring for something that is not going to provide for you what is lasting. So how can you go to the stream in the desert this week? How can you fuel up this week on the only one who can really sustain you? So it's a good thing to think about, to make some simple plans, because we don't always know how long being in the wilderness is going to last. In scripture, some people live their whole lives in this wilderness, literally and figuratively. They're slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They're wandering in the desert for 40. Many people are born, they live their whole lives in exile. God doesn't owe it to us to tell us when we are going to get out of the wilderness. And he doesn't have to tell us that because what matters is that he is with us while we are in it. And because he is with us while we are in the wilderness, we have all we need in him. So remember, friends, that he is with you. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done and allow that to inform your hope right now. Look for the ways he is doing something new Go to him for nourishment and for refreshment. Go to him for all that you need, for he is our way in the wilderness. Hear and feel and receive these final words from our Savior in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke, learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you so much that you don't leave us to contend with the challenges of this world on our own. 
Forgive us for how often we do just attempt to rely on our own strength. Forgive us for the ways that we often go to other things, thinking that they are the things that hold the key to helping us get through. I pray for many of us right now that you, as you're revealing those things, that you continue to show us those things so that we can rightly repent of them and know this is where we actually need to be going. And we ask for your help doing this, Father, because we need it. And also, Father, we long to live rightly in a way that fully demonstrates and honors you. I ask for your help and guidance here, because where else do we have to go? You are it. And Father, I thank you that you are it. So continue to work in us in this. Continue to do new things in us, in our church, in our community. And help us to be sharp, perceiving where you are, where you are working. And continue to shape us to look more like you so we can join you in that. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please join me for the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.